Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. The best story of the week is Operation Varsity Blues. Federal prosecutors have charged dozens of wealthy parents, including two Hollywood actresses, with bribing college coaches and SAT testing administrators to get students admitted to elite colleges under false pretenses. The man behind it all was William Singer. He owned Edge College and Career Network. In all, 50 people are charged with over 30 parents funneling at least $25 million to Singer. My producer Miranda joins us for all the details on how this big scheme worked. This guy created two levels of scams and frauds. And what he would do is there were two things, like you said, either he would help them with faking certain learning disabilities so that the students would be able to A, take the test by themselves with a bribed proctor, meaning that the proctor would guide the student to the correct answer or change the answer before the tests were submitted and they'd get extended time. Or he would go so far as to pay, in one case, the sailing coach at Stanford half a million dollars to get this kid in on a sailing scholarship who had never sailed a day in their life. This was a 10-month investigation by the FBI, the IRS, the Justice Department, and it had a great name. Operation Varsity Blues. <laughs> you love that. Genius. Um, just the kind of examples of how some of this would work. With On the coach's side, prosecutors said the head women's soccer coach at Yale accepted $400,000 in a bribe in exchange for admitting a candidate as a recruited athlete. And then after that, after the student was admitted, her parents paid a college admissions consultant $1.2 million. And the guy had it set up as a charity. So these were all considered tax write-off yeah. donations. So the IRS was also involved with the FBI in doing this. The student, like you just spoke about, the student at Yale, the $400,000 bribe for the soccer game, student never even played a game of competitive soccer a day in their life. So they're taking spots from actual people who worked hard, community service, good grades, played the sports, and got screwed in the end. Part of this other part of how it worked with the coaches, they'd set up these player profiles for the students saying, hey, they're really valuable. We need them on our team, et cetera, et cetera. He would work with the coaches. Sometimes they would stage photos of yeah. the kids you know, on a piece of equipment or something. The other silly one is he would use Photoshop, too. Yeah, but the case of Lori Laughlin's daughter, part of her deal was that she was to be a member of the crew team for USC. That was how she was able to get in because essentially it's these wealthy people with their children who have mediocre grades. They don't do community service. They'd never have a chance of getting in these schools except for the fact that their parents are loaded. And so that was her deal was she wanted to go to USC to party and her mom wanted her to get a degree. So they faked that she was great at rowing and crew and playing these sports. Back to uh, the other arm of this, the SATs and the ACT test. They said that certain proctors would change the answers if needed, that the parents would go in and basically say on the ACT out of 36, let's shoot for a score in the low 30s. Right. Something believable, but still really good that would want to admit them. And in some of the cases, they'd take the test. And after the fact, the proctors would change the answers 
so they could get those exact scores. There was one guy who got busted setting this up for his daughter. His name is Gordon Kaplan. He's the co-chairman of a New York law firm. They've got a recorded call on him saying that he goes, I'm not worried about the moral issue here. I'm worried about the, if she's caught doing this, you know, she's finished. So the kids more often than not, they're, they're given immunity in this. They're saying that the kids and even the schools had no idea that this right. was going on. This was a large thing, largely the coaches, administrators for the SAT, ACT, and this guy, William Singer, the schools mostly didn't have anything to do with it. But one of the questions I have, if the students didn't have anything to do with this, okay, some of them went to go to the doctor to get a note saying, I have some learning disability and I'm going to have more time to take the test. Well, how do you not know when everybody else gets whatever it is, an hour to take the test and they're giving you two hours to take the test? How do you not know that you're involved in some of it. Sometimes when you're the child of the wealthy and famous, you're used to preferential treatment. So if your mom or dad takes you to a doctor who says, oh, you know what, Susie, you do have a slight ADHD. So you do need a little bit of extra time. Chances are you're going to believe it. You're going to buy that story. In all, they said that parents paid William Singer about $25 million in all of this. Parents spent anywhere from 200 grand to $6.5 million to guarantee their children's admissions. William Singer already was arrested. He pled guilty to four charges, racketeering conspiracy, money laundering, tax conspiracy, obstruction of justice. He faces a maximum of 65 years in prison, three years of supervised release, $1.25 million in fines, a $400 special assessment. I don't know what that is. Maybe just court fees. (laughs) He's going down... And just a weird quote, he said that he's excited to work with prosecutors and he just wants to get this all behind him. I wouldn't be excited (laughs) for any of this because this has to do with a lot of rich people. And that's what makes this story so much more exciting. So far, two Hollywood actresses have been caught up in this. One of them is Felicity Huffman. She was on Desperate Housewives. Her husband, William H. Macy, was also involved in this, but he's not been charged in any of this. Not yet. What was their side of the story? Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin have both been charged along with 48 others. I don't know if you said that number yet. 48 other people in this massive thing. And the charges include conspiracy to commit mail fraud because when you have to submit your applications, oftentimes it crosses state line and honest services mail fraud. Felicity Huffman was already arrested. She has been in court already. Lori Laughlin was, at the time of this recording, expected to surrender shortly. The interesting note is that while Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy are married, Macy's not been charged. Lori Laughlin's husband, Massimo Giannulli, he was also charged. For their part, they agreed to pay bribes totaling $500,000 in exchange for having their two daughters designated as recruits to the USC crew team, Mm -hmm. which we had already mentioned. One of the most horrible parts of this is that their daughter is a, um, you know, an aspiring YouTube star. She has a YouTube page. She's got a lot of followers. She made a video saying how she's going to go to school, but she really doesn't care about it. She wants to balance the party life and the school life. I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and Hope that I can try and balance it all. Um, but I do want the experience of like game days, partying. I don't really care about school, as you guys all know. <laughs> her, her name is Olivia Jade. So she was part of this. She got to the school. She went to UC. She's currently there, I think. But the other really interesting part of this is that she's already made a ton of money based off of her semi-stardom on YouTube. 
And then also her admission to actual college. What's yeah. going on there? She got an influencers package basically to chill for Amazon because they have dorm direct, where it's anything you could need for your dorm room. Amazon will get it to you with prime two day service. She had a deal with smile direct club, which is basically like invisible braces, I guess for back to school looking good. So she had started making money through her influencer campaign. And then as far as Felicity Huffman and her husband, they did it on the tax deductible side. They paid $15,000 dollars to get their daughter's SAT scores boosted 400 points over her PSAT. So she did slightly better than she had done before. And when asked in a meeting with Singer, did they want to do this for their second daughter? They opted out. So I think that probably the judge is going to lighten up on them a little bit because A, they only paid $15,000 and B, they kind of felt like this was a shady deal and hold the plug. It's really just really sad because for every one of these kids that got in, there theoretically was another kid who legitimately deserved to be in there, had the grades, went through the front door, as we had already described, and did not get it. Again, it just shows how a lot of money and a lot of connectedness, this guy, William Singer, knew all the right people. He knew the coaches. He knew the SAT proctors and the administrators there to do this shady stuff. And that's really the unfortunate part. For everybody's part, USC has already fired their associate athletic director, their water polo coach. They got fired out of Stanford University. Their sailing coach has been fired. Maury Tobin is an L.A.-based financial executive, and he was being investigated for a securities fraud case. He was doing something called a pump and dump investment scheme where these stockbrokers inflate the price of a stock and get it get super super high, jacked up, and then dump it all and they can sell it at a profit. And it's super illegal. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street. If you saw that movie, that's basically what they were up to. Tobin, when he was being investigated by the FBI, said, hey, I know I'm in trouble for this one thing, but there's this other thing I know about and it's a huge deal. And if you guys will give me some leniency on this pump and dump stuff, I'll give you the biggest Operation Varsity Blues, blah, blah, that you could even imagine. And that's how this whole thing happened. He attended Yale and he told investigators that the head woman soccer coach took a bribe to get his daughter into the school. And from there, the whole thing just unraveled. Yeah, the soccer coach was Rudy Meredith and told Mr. Tobin that he could get his daughter into Yale in exchange for $450,000. So he wore a wire. They met in a hotel room in Boston wearing the wire. The cops are listening and he gets Meredith to take this nearly half million dollars to put his kid on the sucker. And then he turned and then he went on, got with another California family saying, I'll get your kid into Yale by pretending that the kid was a soccer player. And that family paid Mr. Singer, the ringleader of this whole thing, $1.2 million. <laughs> and the soccer coach's share was 400 grand of that. So boom, right there, you have the building blocks of this thing. This is true. People are bribing coaches, cheating the admission scam. And little by little, now we know that Everybody got roiled into this. There's been a bunch of fallout because of all of this. First and foremost, there's some lawsuits that have been filed by a parent and then a pair of students. Part of it is this $500 billion civil lawsuit filed by a parent on behalf of her son, accusing all these defendants of defrauding and inflicting emotional distress on everyone whose rights to a fair entrance to college were stolen through their conspiracy the lawsuit filed by the two students that attend Stanford say that now their degrees have been devalued and that potential future employers won't know whether their degrees were merit-based or money-based. One of the big questions that everybody has, and it's one of the most intriguing questions, what's going to happen to the students? William Singer said that he helped the parents of, of 761 high school students cheat on the college 
admissions process. That's a lot of kids that made it through what's going to happen to them. It's still going to be a case-by-case basis review. So far, USC has said that all applicants connected to this cheating scheme will be denied admission. I don't know what's going to happen to the students who are already attending the school. We know already that Lori Laughlin's two daughters, Olivia and Isabella, who were both attending USC, have officially withdrawn. They've removed themselves for fear of bullying. They don't want to deal with fallout from the other students at school. Right. I mean, I can't imagine that with how high profile they are, people are going to know who they are, are going to recognize them, present them there on campus. The kids that are there case by case, if they're a student in good standing, they have good grades, they're competent. I mean, you know, maybe it is worth them staying there. Who knows? But that's going to be a decision for all the individual schools. USC is one of the most high profile ones that's giving out a lot of this information. So that's why we're uh, focusing on them there. And the celebrity angle, we're talking about actress Lori Loughlin, Aunt Becky from Full House. (laughs) She is losing out on a lot of money now. Her daughter is also losing out on, on a lot of money. She was uh, big in the Hallmark Channel movie series. She was on a series called Garage Sale Mystery, When Calls the Heart, you know, different movies and shows there. Hallmark said they're dumping her. Yeah, she was a staple of these Hallmark TV shows. When Calls the Heart had pretty great ratings. This article from The Hollywood Reporter says that their series average is better than 2 million viewers for initial airings. That's huge ratings, and it's like a pioneer drama. She was taken into custody on Wednesday and freed on $1 million bond. And part of her condition of a release, she said, I'm working. I have contractual obligations. She was in Canada. Yeah, to be on these shows. But now they dropped her, so not anymore. And then her daughter, Olivia Jade, as as we said, she's one of the high-profile people involved in this. She's losing a big makeup deal as well. Yeah, she's a social media influencer and she had a makeup partnership with Sephora brand. She had a highlighter palette, Olivia Jade by Sephora, and that's been dumped. Sephora announced on Thursday. And the juiciest thing with Olivia Jade, when this whole thing was going down, she was actually on the yacht of Rick Caruso, who's on the board of trustees for USC. At first, it sounds like something crazy is happening, but she was actually on spring break with Rick Caruso's daughter. Apparently they're friends. Let's go on spring break on the big super yacht. Very cool and all, but what's the uh, quote, Miranda? My favorite line in the article is, Olivia is off the yacht. (laughs) So I'm sure we're going to see more and more coming out of this big college cheating scandal. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. It could be the next big foodie trend, road to table, freeway to table. Right now, over 20 states allow people to salvage roadkill. California might be the newest state to let people do this. We spoke to Eleanor Cummins, assistant editor at Popular Science, for more on this. In California, motor vehicles strike and kill approximately 20,000 deer each year. And so, as you were saying, that's been like on, you know, the roads departments to be the ones to send crews out there, collect them, move them out of the way so they're not going to hurt other people driving down the road. And instead, they're saying, well, why don't we just let people have, you know, what is ostensibly free range organic food and have them be the ones to clear them from the roadway and then profit, you know, in some way by having a, a free meal. Now, I know roadkill has a bad reputation. You think of small rodents usually becoming roadkill. But as you said, the numbers are pretty crazy. Over 20 states allow people to salvage roadkill. So there's a new bill in California that's proposing the same thing. But where it's been happening already, a lot of people do enjoy this option. 
Definitely. West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Washington and Oregon, Alaska, a lot of those states where people are still really into hunting and have a sort of familiarity with this. I think that, you know, this is kind of a specialty skill, right? Like most people can't just effectively pick an elk off the side of the road and turn that into a meal. But if you train yourself, if you kind of know what you're looking for and you have the tools, like you're going to have to, you know, cut through some bones, you can access this incredible supply of meat that was previously just being sent to a landfill. And so it's something that's kind have become really popular. What I think is also interesting is that I think there's maybe kind of an ick factor for people where they think that that (laughs) scraping something off the the side of the road is really upsetting. But the reason that a lot of these laws actually went into place was just trying to stop people from poaching animals. So it it wasn't even like trying to protect people necessarily from anything. It was just trying to protect the animals. I mean, you said it, this is a skill set that a lot of people don't really have. I know in the article, you guys profiled a couple people in Idaho, you know, as a young couple that saw deer hit by a semi truck and they said it was still super fresh, but they had those skills <laughs> that they can go and process the animal there. They took like three legs and they left the fourth because that was the one where the impact happened. But not a lot of people are going to be able to do something like this. And then there's that whole question of, let's say there's an amateur who wants to do this. This is this is the point that I'm getting to. A lot of times you don't know when the rot starts setting in on one of these animals. I've read that it can... It anywhere from two to three hours, rock can start to set in depending on the weather and conditions that are out there, how sunny it is. So uh, it could be tough for somebody seeing an animal on the road. Hey, I want to do this, but might not be such a good idea for them. Like, as you said, there is this couple in um, Idaho who, you know, it's totally legal for them to be doing this. And what they said was that the wintertime was, you know, the time in which they most enjoyed doing this because it preserved the bodies kind of like an outdoor freezer, which totally makes sense. I definitely think that, yeah, it's not amateur hour out here, right? People who are doing this are, are, are really passionate about it, but it's definitely skills that anyone could acquire. And there's something that, you know, uh, ostensibly a, a lot of people used to be able to do. And it's just kind of dwindled as this has become taboo and potentially as states like California consider it, that could be moving in the opposite direction. And so how does this work? Because you can't just pick up the animal, take it home and all that. You have to still report it to the authorities. Different states have set up different systems. In Idaho, you have to report it within 24 hours to the state. And what they're looking for is just really kind of like basic information in terms of like the species of what you picked up, its sex, the location where you found it. But what they're potentially working to do in other states like Oregon is to be able to turn this into data for local officials, which is really exciting. The idea that, you know, we'd all kind of be participating in this citizen science operation where you could be tracking animals for disease and you you could also be tracking animals for places where, you know, maybe the roads department could intervene and, and actually stop them from becoming roadkill by building, you know, alternative infrastructure that keeps these elk or, or deer out of harm's way. One of the diseases that officials are particularly interested in tracking is this new zombie deer disease. It's also called chronic wasting disease. In the last 15 years, it's jumped from just about two states where these things were happening to right now, 24 states. There's been reports where various different animals have this. Tell us a little bit about that. Chronic wasting diseases is really horrible. It's as bad as it sounds. It's a prion disease. So it's something that goes wrong in the brains of these animals, similar to mad cow, which is another prion disease that um, people are probably more more familiar with. And as you were saying, it's been spreading throughout the United States. And so it's really a priority for fish and wildlife departments to be tracking it. There is some concern that it could potentially jump to humans. There is no evidence of that having happened yet, but it's something that departments are extremely conscious about countrywide. Yeah. And it happened with Mad Cow. 
Eleanor Cummins, assistant editor at Popular Science. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.